I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Welcome to the Feudal Anime Podcast. I'm your host, Jack. And I'm Rick. And today we're talking about the Asterisk War. This was your choice, uh, and we decided to break this one up as well into two parts because it did come out a year apart, season one, season two, so I thought it'd be better and do it a little bit of a justice in taking a look at season one individually, and then season two instead of combining them together. Now, what I noticed is I'm apparently leaning towards a specific genre of swordsman, underdog, and... Harem uh, and Etchy. Hey, and... Nah, mm, see, I, I, eh, Etchy might be pushing it a little bit as far as like what I would typically enjoy watching. Harem, I find it to be funny simply because there's no way it could ever happen in real life in this way. No one's going to be not only that oblivious, but like that just, it's called fantasy for a reason. But the guy's always got an ulterior motive that seems a little bit off, but nobody ever questions. Well, he is a little bit off. Yeah. Day one, Ayato is a little bit off. And he is very, very oblivious to everything that goes on. So this one, it has five main characters, four female, one male. And Ayato is the main male protagonist. One of the first characters, one of the other main characters that he first runs across in the first 10 seconds of the show is Julius. And he come, he sees a handkerchief falling down and he grabs it and he sees an open window and says, yes, this is a great idea. Let me jump up there and just give this, return this to the person. So he does and sees Julius undressing. Like she's standing yeah, there in, in all her, of her glory. Yeah. Just in her, in her undies as if that's not a big deal at all. Yeah. And then, you know, and, she obviously acts a little bit shy. Well, I just thought it was funny because... The, the I thought this particular part was funny because her first reaction isn't, oh, my God, there's a man in my window. It's, hey, you have to turn around. In my head, I'm like, the dude's in the windowsill. If he turns around, he's going to fall out. But no. Uh, obviously, that doesn't matter. I mean, like, if he got up there with ease, he could obviously get turn around and just get the hell out. It's kind of funny because she's on, the, like, the fifth, sixth floor, and... Dude jumps up there like it's nobody's business. He's like, oh, yeah, this is just, you know, one small step for man, one giant leap for any high schooler. It's an open window. Obviously, there's going to be a naked chick behind it. Yeah. So the backstory is there There was a, a, a catastrophe known as Inversia, Inverdia, uh, that changed the actual power balances in the world. Um. So the governments and and monarchies and things like that, as we know it, really aren't there in that uh, respect. Um, There was this uh, federation or group of people known as the Integrated Enterprises Foundation, uh, and they came into power. And and then uh, along with this massive change, uh, new people were being born uh, with great physical magical i guess you could say abilities and they're called uh gen uh 
Gnostella. Gnostella, I believe. Uh, that's better than what I was going to say. I was just going to say um, Jen because I, I wasn't even going to try to to try to butcher that name. In my mind, it goes with the concept of genetically engineered. That's and, why I was going to say Jen. Yeah, well, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if they were genetically in- engineered and then they're just breeding other genetically engineered individuals on top of that. So um, with that in mind, they go to a island school where there are, or an island, a water island, designed and built for them, where there are six different schools. And being a part of a daily battle where you literally will break out into a duel at any point in time from pissing someone off or just because, just for kicks and giggles or whatever, is a day, daily life. It's it's how it's supposed to be. And I don't even understand why. Like, what, what's the point of just like, hey, you know, let's just fight. All right, woo! It almost is like you have a school full of either nerds, thugs, or hooligans. And Might Makes Right is what appears to be the name of the order. Because the strongest one ranks number one. There's always a ranking system that is publicized. And the higher rank you are, the more respect you garner. Uh, Even if you don't really deserve that respect. And it's... It's not always like a, the the school president or something like that because they still have normal elections and things like and and things like that for the schools. But they that doesn't mean they get as much respect as say a t- a thirteen year old who is undefeated amongst everyone who actually happens to be ranked number one. Exactly. Um, the funny thing is she loses, and an unranked person. The main character, Ayato, um, defeats her, and he assumes mantle of rank one. Why everyone just doesn't go for number one all the time, I I don't know. It's because if you're number one, you're obviously crazy powerful, and you need to be. And and they even said that Saya, the person who was previously... Re- no, no, sorry, not Saya. Uh, Kirin, who was previously ranked number one, was undefeated. Just like another one of the main characters, Claudia, who is the school's president. She's also, or like Kiranin was, Claudio is undefeated. And so those two were the number two, number one and number two positions. Kiranin is number one, Claudia is number two. Well, when Ayato battles uh, Kiranin legitimately a second time because uh, the first time he w- uh, ran into her, he was preventing her uncle from slapping her because he said it wasn't right, which I agree. You know, it's a very chivalrous thing to do. You should, if you see something like that going on, you should say something. But uh, see something, say something. Exactly. And so she finally breaks ties with her uncle and says, I don't need you anymore. I have Ayato who's been there for me, who's helping me train and be a better person in general. And so they fight, and Ayato actually wins. Now, he doesn't win in a sword-sword fight. He uses his full knowledge of the we- of weapons. So he uses daggers, he uses uh, spears, he uses a, so- a short sword, and he also does grappling. And those are his specialties. He knows how to do all those uh, offensive techniques because of his training. Now, one thing that is explained about 
three, four episodes into it, Ayato, he's actually very restricted in, in the amount of power he can use. He can't go full power because of his sister. And you, his sister, you see at the very beginning, die. Now, you don't know it's her at the beginning. It's, it's not known that that is his sister right away. But she does die, and you and you you're able to kind of piece together that that they were brother and sister. And now it's five years later. He's at that school trying to find what happened to her. See, now I'm gonna have to disagree. I don't think she's dead because this is anime. You see people lose copious amounts of blood and still survive like nothing happened. Right, but so her I think glasses, she's just if you her glasses. Yeah, her glasses were still laying there on the ground. And during the final battle, you even see that she is apart, probably apart. Now, not technically dead in the sense that we know dead, but maybe she's metaphorically dead in the sense that she is now a part of this legendary weapon that Ayato is using because she was the one that was using it beforehand. See, I didn't think that maybe you and I took away something a little different. I was under the impression that the weapon that Ioto is using, the one that chose him um, in the, it's not even a choosing ceremony. Um, I think you call it an ogre lux. They're very special weapons that can't be used by everyone. You have to be compatible with them. They have their own personalities and their own, I'm not going to say desires, but kind of. Um, his sister used a very specific ogre lux. And I think her combat memory, meaning uh, these are really advanced computer-like weapons that use your own, I'm going to say, spiritual energy. They call it prana. I, I don't see a difference to power this weapon. And while his sister was using it, I would say that the weapon simply logged that it was used. And not necessarily against whom or in what manner but it logged that it had combat use in the similar sense that you can tell if a gun has been fired. Yeah, but they do specify that they have personalities of their own, their own desires and wants. And, and Claudia even states yes. this in episode 11. So it's not that they're, yes. they're completely oblivious to the world around them. They're able to do what they want to do in a, in a manner of sense. So like uh, during... What episode twelve, the sec- last episode of season one? You learn that Irene is using a specific ogre lux, that uh, scythe that literally turns you into a vampire. The power yeah, of that does- ogre lux is gravity, but it drains your blood in order to give it power. And how you gain more power is to drink blood from others. Yes, and uh, I mean, I can't say you're wrong in the fact that everything you said was true. I don't agree with the part where uh, it's its own entity. To they where even stated, e- they even stated they that. Stated, they stated they have their own personalities, yes. Yeah, but and they that can would indicate their who they want to be compatible with. So, like, Ayato is only compatible with his specific Ogre Lux when he's at full power. That's when it acknowledges him, and they state that several times. That's when it acknowledges my power. That's when it wants to work with me, is when I'm at this point. And when uh, Irene is unconscious, 
Ayato even says, I don't think that's Irene anymore. I think that's her Ogre Lux. And the Ogre Lux was the one that was actually attacking it. And you can see it in the eyes. And it kept she kept trying to come back. But they kept stating, every time someone had an Ogre Lux, it's the Ogre Lux that's actually doing it. It's not the individual. And same thing with Claudia. Claudia was asleep, but she her Ogre Lux forces her to relive her death every night when she goes to sleep. And they forced her to attack Ayato. He was able to bring her out of it. He was able to wake her up. But again, every single one of them have a personality of their own. They have their own their wants, their desires. And if pushed to an extreme, will even move and attack on their own. Like they did when they were first introducing the Ogre Luxes in episode two. When it was being attacked, yeah. No, I, I, I get that part. But the only thing I can even combat that with, because what you said technically is true. What are the Ogre Luxes made out of? I, the way I interpreted what they said was it's simply a tool used very similarly to a computer program, which is why you're able to plug it into other things and view its history, essentially. They never specify like, how an Ogre Lux is actually created. Like, at all. They never specify it. They go into detail to the extent of for the first time in a long time, we are going to try and create our own Ogre Lux. Now, that's it. That's that's the only thing that's actually ever really gone in depth about them. Other than the fact that they have their own personalities, they have their own desires and wants, they will change the user to suit their needs that they can af- af- affect the user in ways that you couldn't even imagine in that this is the first time in a long time that someone's going to try and create one. And every school has their own. That's the other thing. Every school has their own specific set of Ogre Luxes. I don't know. I, I just, while I agree with what you're saying, I don't think it's right. I know that's con- that's contradictory. It's just, we're going to have to agree that we believe different things that was presented to us. Because I can't get past the the point where they said, well, it's logged. The the weapon, Ogre Lux, that Ayato has, has logged combat experience prior to him. But they don't have anybody checking it out. It, like, that has been wiped from the record. Yeah, so no, they, how do you see that record from the weapon itself? No, what they're saying is... is they have it logged that it that it does have experience. Yes, and they can see when a weapon has been used. But what I'm saying is, all that all those records are deleted, not necessarily by the Ogre Lux, but by someone else of a of a different entity. And you, oh yeah, no, uh, the the school record was deleted by somebody else. I agree with that. What you were saying was that the Ogre Lux that he's using, at least from what I remember, you said somehow absorbed his sister right exactly because you're because during the final battle you see his sister's eye and part of her face in the gem of the ogre lux oh okay i see what you're talking about the way i interpreted that was not in the ogre lux it was a reflection i saw that as a reflection i didn't see her as being sucked in i think that's where you and i are diverging from what we saw Right. 
Well, I I think that she, because of how Ogre Luxes are, and this is why I was explaining the differences into each one, is because I think that when she was dying, she became a part of the Ogre Lux. Okay. Okay, so in the same sense of when uh, Ayato merged his Frana into the sword and it grew, and you think that similarly when she was dying, she merged herself with the sword. Correct. To try to make it stronger, to... Like, because what do you think was the point of that? she knew that he, Ayato would come and find it. That he would come and look for her. Because at that point, when she is looking out of the gem and, and there's that connection, you see the little prism effect that they show numerous times, showing that he is restrained and bound by, by her abilities. You see it all of a sudden turn green and a new one appear, which shows that it's unlocking his full power completely for that little extra step okay okay when you explain it like that when you see it like that i i can kind of sort of follow i still can't agree completely but i see where that train of thought led you to so okay yeah let's 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 go down that down that pathway he mentions when he unlocks his ability that he is a sword that's sheathed inside himself he does this whole chant uh, that unlocks his ability do you think that the sword that he has sheathed is the Ogre Lux opening his no chains? No, no you don't. He, no, he he's able to unlock his full potential without having to use the Ogre Lux. He even says that the Ogre Lux doesn't acknowledge him unless he is uh, has his power unlocked all the way. And one of his friends, uh, Saya even references to Julie's right after their first battle. She said to Julie's saying, if he was fighting seriously, if Ayato was fighting seriously against you, you would not be here. See, I understand that. And I agree with that. But do you remember the, when the sword chose, I'm, I'm saying that in quotation him the very first time when it was being tested by somebody else. And then it attacked Ayato. Mm -hmm. He didn't unlock anything. That, At least he didn't go through the sequence that well, he, he says typically a chant. would have. Well, he usually says chant or something like that when he's about to attack or when he's about to do a move. Just because when he's he unlocks not, it. Right. But well, just every other time that he unlocks because, it. No, not every other time. He doesn't always say a chant when he unlocks it. Additionally. Well, what I was going to say was. Go ahead. Go ahead. What I was going to say was every time he unlocks his stuff, you see the chains come off of him not necessarily true again when uh, when is another time you see that where he doesn't take the chains off and he's at full power uh 75 of the battles actually when he's fighting uh the last battle with irene you don't see chains coming off there he doesn't do a special chant to remove those said chains either if i remember correctly you just see him power up even more at that point. Um, yes, they show it symbolically for most of the fights, but they don't show it for every single one of them. And again, it, it goes back to what was originally stated. He even said beforehand that five minutes is the most he's actually ever been able to go before. Yeah, he did mention that. So, yeah, I will. I will concede the fact that he doesn't need the Ogre Lux to open the chain or to take the chains off. And so that's why Saya said, 
if he was fighting at full power, you wouldn't be here because he wasn't taking it seriously. And even Jules during the first battle, when she was fighting him in the first episode, she even says, I don't think he's, you know, she, she acknowledges that he, he's not really taking it seriously because she's fighting full force and he's just like effortlessly moving around her attacks. Dodging most of it. Yeah. Well, that's an interesting way to look at it. I like it. I don't necessarily agree with it, but I definitely like it. Well, I mean, are are you going to argue with the people that are saying that that is what it is? Like that he is, you know, finding restrained or doesn't always unlock his full potential? Well, no, I believe he does fight restrained and I, do, I believe that he doesn't always unlock his full potential. I just, for some reason, can't get past the thing where I, I think in order for him to use his full potential, you have to kind of see him have the chains taken off, you know? Yeah, I get it. I get it. I mean, like, would you argue that he fought at full strength with uh, Kirin who, when he took the number one spot? Uh, I mean, like, you didn't see the chains get released there. Yeah. And yet he was able to take her down easily. I don't think so. Only because he wasn't using the Ogre Lux. He was using a regular sword and he took her down with technique, not power. Right, but unlocking his full potential allows him to move at said greater speed and with more power and a better form of technique. So it amplifies everything for him because he's not fighting restraint. Uh, I can see where you would go with that. I'm just I, saying, I I'm just saying you no, said it's a good argument. He, 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 rest, you know, he has to fight unrestrained and that's the only way he does it. If he didn't, fight unrestrained against someone who is far superior to him in that regard. And he usually will have to fight restraint, uh, fight unrestrained. If he's fighting someone of a superior style and fight uh, a power, I mean, like, doesn't that make sense? I mean, like she was in a sense, a superior fighter when it came to one particular technique. See, I would, I would argue that the very first fight where he lost and he did not, he wasn't fighting seriously because he could not cross swords. And then he was running out of time, obviously, as you saw the second time he was able to cross swords, which means he was in my head, able to fight a different way. And he used, he named way, way more techniques and he recognized more techniques from her. So that's why I was thinking he didn't unlock his, his full potential. He just went at her via technique over power. Because I think if he were to power up, yeah, he could kick her butt no problem. Because there's very few people who can actually, in this anime, actually get him at his at his age. See, and that's a great assumption. That is a great assumption. But if he didn't fight at full power, who's to say he would have won against her for sheer technique? Because her technique was all, obviously it was it was great. You know, there there's no reason to to deny it. You know, I'm not trying to take anything away. She was, she's a master at what she does. She spent most of her life, if not all of her life, focusing on this one technique, this one sword style. And in his own right, he is uh, a master of his fight, his uh, sword style. He's probably the last of his line, too. But the fact that he was able to recognize her attack patterns and her attack strategy indicates that he's much more learned in in swordsmanship let's call it than you originally believe because he's not a master of just his own but he's familiar with hers from the get-go 
No, he recognizes it because of of the how famous her sword style is. And he makes that comment about it. He goes, yeah, no, I, I know about your sword style because of how famous and world-renowned it is. And, and they said it's almost similar to like a... Or, origami, I believe is what he said. It's similar to the a folding crane origami. Okay, yeah. And she actually... That is what she does. <laughs> like, yeah. um, the style she uses, it was quite awesome because when she's fighting, she actually explains that, well, you see the, the the patterns she makes in the air before she actually attacks. So, Well, it's not that before she attacks. It's uh, what she does is she explains those succession. And, and what it is, it's actually 48 moves chained together that are supposed to be unblockable slash undodgeable to, to make her, her attack almost invincible, so to speak. And he even says this, and she, she confirms with his suspicions after he's able to almost completely dodge or defend against them all, with the exception of the, the graze on the side from him being able to have a barrier up to protect himself. She says it's 48 different moves conjoined together in succession to to make this almost an in, invincible move and she says this several times or or not several times but she says this and then she names the different types of moves and movements okay yeah i remember that well i mean i've been wrong before we all have sir we all have <laughs> um but and, and honestly, and and it's I understand it sounds like we're focusing a lot on the beginning and maybe a couple parts in the middle and then the end, but that's where a majority of it really happens. That's where a majority of it really, really takes hold. Now you have a couple spots in the in the in between points where it's it's setting it up for season two, so it's, it's oh yeah, it, we'll we'll discuss those then, but. It's honestly because the the details that they give and and the amount of in depthness that they did, it's just not there. It's not. It's we'll we'll reference reference it, but then we would be having to immediately move past that referencing because there's not enough detail. It's almost embarrassing how hard they were pushing season two. Yes, like in the last three i want to say episodes of the first season they're like oh but this twist i feel like there's more ah there's so much more to come i mean i I, what are we gonna do there's so much more and you're like oh okay i guess there's more and it's interesting too as well that they show other characters like other people that could be key players and then they immediately move past that and it's 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 aggravating in all honesty. It's it's like okay, why are you showing me this or why are you referencing this if if you're not going to talk talk to me about this? Why are you not going to go into the detail about this? But at the same time, they do actually have a season two. Sure, it came out a year after season one. <laughs> it's only a little behind, and it's also only twelve episodes long. Ugh. Yeah, well, I mean, it's better than not doing it at all. You know. It is. It is a lot better than not doing it at all. I, I agree with you on that. I've come across anime that were very, very remiss. They're like, season two coming, never. 
Yeah, well, you know, I uh, they do have a lot out there where they actually go through and say, hey, you know, check us out for season two next year. And it's like three years later, it's like, well, where's season two? You said it was coming out two years ago. <laughs> uh, no Game, No Life is a prime example of that. Yes. Hopefully we get to review that one day. Maybe someday in the future. We'll see. Um. But uh, I think I think this is a great spot for us to to kind of wrap it up with the with the rating, sir. So how would you rate season one? Season one, mm, I already like the genre, so I'm 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 real biased. I'm gonna have to go with three and a half. They could do they could have done better. Um, could have really done better as far as the lead up goes. But yeah, three and a half. What about you? I'm I'm going to need to give it a. 3.25 and the reason why I'm giving it a 3.25 is because of the lack of detail for the things that they kept throwing in there they it, it was it was playing a little too hard in the sense that hey we're going to have a season two now thankfully they did but it played too hard into that and and I felt like they were throwing things in there that could have been left out while they focused on other details instead. I see what you mean. But luckily, we do have a season two, and so maybe my opinion overall will change. Hopefully, it gives it a nice rounded ending. Um, I, 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 I am interested to see how how it's all going to play out, whether or not he finds out what truly happens to his sister and everything else may or may not be really revealed in the second season, and I may have to read the light novel, which is what it's based on. I'm going to let you do that because that's not something I'm I don't like reading, especially with anime. I think that's about it for today. So, yeah, next week is going to be part two of the Asterisk War. Uh, please feel free to reach out to us at the feudal anime podcast at gmail.com. If you've seen the Asterisk War or any of the other animes that we have talked about or you can reach out to us also on the Twitterverse. You can reach out to us at Feudal Anime Pod. Until next time. I'm Rick. And I'm Jack. <laughs> Later. Later. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.